Wave, wave, wave. Test. Test, test, and test. Test. I feel like I was just as loud as you, but your wave was so much bigger than mine. It's because I got that in there. True, and my t is blocked now. Yeah. yeah. Yep. T. Yeah, interesting. It works. Yeah. Glad I didn't waste money on this. <laughs> yeah. It looks cool, at least, mm -hmm. if nothing it makes else. Makes me look more professional. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Ready? Mm hmm. Hello and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast, a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rectine. And Pat couldn't make it today, so it will just be me and Matt. And basketball season is officially over. All the concern around COVID-19, aka coronavirus, aka SARS-CoV-2, shut down virtually every conference tournament and resulted in March Madness being canceled for the first time ever. Yeah, not just, I mean, it's not just that. It's all college sports. Mm -hmm. It's all professional sports. It's just. Yep. Sad stuff, man. And March Madness started in 1939. Never been canceled before. Wow. So this is a monumental occurrence here. Uh, but that results in Tulsa, who was the number three seed heading into the American Conference Tournament that should have wrapped up today. We could be in the, I don't remember what time the championship game was supposed to happen, but it was, was going to be happening like right now, right now. Yeah. As we record on Sunday, it is uh, about three o'clock. Um, Tulsa gets no chance to, nor does anybody else get any kind of chance to prove themselves one more time, try to make a, make a last minute push for the NCAA tournament. Um, with the season officially over, this will be our last weekly episode until probably until football season starts up or gets kind of gets rolling. Uh, so we will treat this as our season finale. So we'll hand out some awards, answer some listener questions, and some more like that. Also, we'll probably be sending out another um, listener survey like we did last year. That helped a ton last year, so please keep an eye out for that on Twitter and fill it out if you can. Uh, so lots to get into for this final episode of the 2019-2020 Golden Hurricast season, so let's get started. Stay golden. Hurricane. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, I think the way we're going to do this episode, we don't, <laughs> we don't have any games to cover. We don't have any games to recap from last week, and we have no, uh, obviously no games to preview for next week uh, for postseason stuff or anything like that. Um, so what we're planning on doing today is kind of just a, mostly, I mean, we'll start off with just kind of Ken Palm roundup for the year real quick, just how we started and ended and things like that. Um, we, Matt and I will award some season awards for several different categories uh, that we came up with and then we had several of you write in uh, listener questions so we'll finish off with those um so i guess to to kick it off we'll do the ken palm roundup there and that is um it was just really up and down very up and down season for tu uh conclusion tu finishes as number 80 in ken palm for the 2019-20 season 
Um, and if you'll remember, we started as number 100, right? Mm-hmm. So positive momentum, uh, I guess, throughout the season. Started at 100, um, crashed early, right? So the low of the season came pretty early in the season in November. Uh, on November 24th, we it actually came after a win. We had a very ugly win over southeastern Louisiana, and we dropped to 131. And I think before that, we were like 117, right? So we dropped like a lot of spots after a win, which I don't remember why. that Did we just we were, look we, terrible? Yeah, we, you and I went to that game. Yeah. And that was such an ugly win. Like we were, <laughs> it was close through most of the game. Yeah. Like way too close. Yeah. So, and that was like pretty close or like not long after we had gone and lost to UT Arlington. So right. you still had that lingering and then to just not blow out like a team that's in the 300s on Ken Palm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I guess surprising to go down, but not when you look at some of the circumstances right behind it. Yeah. So that was the low of the year. November 24th fell to number 131. Uh, bounced back from that, obviously. Um, the high of the year. I guess you could flip these terms around. I guess the high might be 131, mm-hmm. but whatever. The, yeah. the, best, the emotional yeah, highs. The emotional low. high and low. Good point. Uh, the best of the year, we finished at number 59 the week of February 2nd, and that was right after the win over Wichita State at home, um, which makes sense because we had also beaten H- – uh, yeah, was that like Houston right before that too? Houston and Memphis. And Memphis, and that UConn. was that week. Yeah. Um, man, God, just that's when everything was like – gold oh my Mm -hmm. gosh it couldn't have been better nobody expected that little stretch right there and that's what kind of propelled us to finish off in first in the conference Uh, so coming in 59 there then we fell back a little bit i think we lost to uconn on the road shortly after that game um and then lost a couple and man oh yeah because the uconn road loss dropped us 20 spots i remember we were 59 i think we dropped to 79 yeah we essentially swapped with uconn like immediately yeah uh, geez, yeah, just massive drop on the road again. I mean, that's a tier B loss. It was like it's not a bad. It was at home. The UConn. Oh yeah, we beat them on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what am I thinking? Okay, so that makes more sense. Yeah, still, um, it's a pretty big drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, all in all, uh, wrapped it up kind of in the middle there. Ended at number eighty in Ken Palm, and very good season. Not gonna complain after you know I didn't expect us to get that high up. Uh, so I will. I'll leave it there and give props to the team and Frank Allen. You can't complain about a first place regular season finish, being the third third t uh, third seed in the conference tournament and wrapping it up like that. Unfortunately, don't have any postseason to go to, but neither does anybody else. So let's move to some season awards. I think this will be this will be pretty fun. We've got the the basic like generic ones that we'll knock off. Yeah, and some then... seem very easy. Some <laughs> seem much harder. Yeah, I'm looking forward to some of these other ones. So uh, I I don't I, me and Matt haven't talked about these at all. So I don't know any of Matt's choices on this. So it'll be fun to do. But let's start off with the 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 you know the one you have to do, which is Player of the Year, basically. I um, thought I thought this was the easiest one personally because yeah. I mean there's one person who is named both. <laughs> Sixth man of the year in the conference and all conference first team. Mm-hmm. And I'm, of course, talking about George Christopoulos. Of course, of course, yes. The Greek freak himself, mm-hmm. who only played a couple games this year yeah. and then left. <laughs> That's who I had, too. How, wow. Unbelievable. It's yeah, going to be a good episode. Completely in sync today. Yeah. No, but uh, I mean, I don't know how you don't give it to Martin Zigbanu, who had easily the greatest season of his career. Uh, and what a way to finish. I mean, it's just such a bummer. Like to have such a good season, and then, like, he doesn't get to 
you know, compete in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Him and Karita both just had good years. But like Especially Igba- late. Yeah. Igbanu was such a force. Early on, we talked about he was struggling, um, and that was just a lot of the young guys were doing well, and the young and the new guys were doing really hot, were really hot at the start, and some of our seniors were struggling early. And really, like once Igbanu started playing, coming off the bench, it just ignited something, and mm-hmm. he just had such a phenomenal season. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, he literally just carried the team the whole second half of the season, basically. Once he came back alive, unfortunately everybody else sort of took a step back mm-hmm. um and that you know i guess that happens once you have a guy like that the ball is just going to go to him more often and people are their numbers are going to decline regardless but just the level of play across the board seemed to fall a, a bit uh once he took off but man had that had the level of play dropped and he stayed at the level he was playing earlier in the year bad news for tulsa basketball so fortunately the guy became just an absolute freak of nature i mean it was amazing watching him play and you could tell, like, you know, we talked about it a couple episodes uh, throughout the year, but you could tell, like, even when he wasn't scoring, you could see his footwork was way better. He was getting, like, wide open layups. There's smoking guys down low. Uh, just wasn't finishing. And you had to think that the finishing was going to come. So finally it did, and he became the, the first-team all-conference guy that we knew he could be. So very, very cool. Um, very deserving of conference player of the year. I don't know who you would give it to. There's not even a, sec- a close second, I wouldn't say, on the team. Uh, Brandon Rochelle made a push for it earlier in the season. He he totally could have been there, but he really fell off uh, mm-hmm. late. Um, so yeah, that's Martin Zigbani for Player of the Year. Matt and I agree on that one. So next, let's do the surprise Player of the Year. So not like, not a Player of the Year candidate like Igbani would be, but who you were most surprised by with how how much better they they were. Okay, you can go first on okay. this one. Okay, so ah, I like this one. So there were a couple I thought about. Um, I ended up picking Darian Jackson. Uh, he, the more I looked into this, the more I was like, "Oh, this is a good pick." And so here, here we go, right? So Not Darian to Jackson, your own corner, anything? <laughs> yeah, of course, right? Man, this is. Such I'm a- gonna think my own pick was really bad, probably. Um, Darian Jackson, fourth leading scorer on the team, which is yeah, it's okay. Um, end of the year shooting 32.4 percent from three. Would not have expected that going into the season, but the thing that gives it to him. The guy was the king of second place on the team, right? Mm-hmm. Look at this. 2.2 assists per game. Second best on the team after Elijah Joyner. 1.4 steals per game. Second best on the team after Brandon Rochelle. 1.2 turnovers per game. Second fewest turnovers per game of the major contributors that actually play play a lot after Lawson Corita. And by 0.1, right? So almost the best there. And then 54% field goal percentage. Second highest field goal percentage after you can probably guess Martin Zigbani. Um, so the guys are like, he's basically our best player. Like second second best in almost every category, uh, minus like blocks and assists, which he is still pretty high on assists. Um, he, he had a great year. Uh, I mean, the way he stepped up to the plate, like hitting three, he's the reason we won that Houston game. Uh, and, you know, there are several other factors too, but he's a huge, he's one of the biggest ones there. Um he is very. I think he. I think he deserves the surprise player of the year. He came out of nowhere, uh, at least shooting the ball. We knew about his athleticism and how good he can get to the bucket and how great he is on defense, along with Brandon Rochelle. Um, but his offensive improvement, I think, uh, warrants him earning that award. Yeah, this one was tough for me because 
so the two awards that I kind of tied together or that ended up being tied together in my mind were the surprise player of the year and the most improved yeah, player. Um, and so I'm going to go uh, with what my initial, like what I had in my gut, and that was Lawson Carita for surprise player in the year. And nice. that, I mean, honestly, you could say he was the surprise player second half, like, because <laughs> even early on we talked about how he had just, he was struggling and it wasn't until... Ah, shoot, I don't remember exactly what game it was. It was sometime in November, because I remember I was in Colorado at the time. We were, you were talking about how you were texting Pat and I uh, just about how Lawson was putting the team on his back in the game. And so I want to say it was our the game right after UT Arlington. I don't remember. Um, yeah. But like at that point, he was doing well, and then he went back down. And it wasn't until conference play really started, uh, and even then... It really wasn't until he went on that losing streak, he cut his hair. Yeah, man. And then he just turned it on. He, like, he became, he finishes as our best three-point shooter. Which, by, by a wide margin, right? Yeah. 3% over the next best. And so that's, like, I would have easily expected Dariah Horn to be our best three-point shooter. Yep. And, I mean, it kind of speaks for maybe we, we weren't a super dangerous three-point shooting team this season. Mm-hmm. But for him to come in and do that and just be, like, his last two home games that week was just so incredible. It was perfect. And, I mean, you kind of just expected him to be a quiet, like, he does things well, but Mm -hmm. he's not, like, explosive and, like, getting a lot of points. But he kind of switched that around towards, like, in the final stretch this this season. So it's another guy, it's like, really would have been cool to see what he could have done in the conference tournament and either NCAA or NIT tournament. So bummed for him not to have that opportunity, but I thought he had like a really good quote, breakout season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that count. I mean, we knew sort of what he was all about, but like we, I mean, we've talked about it before. He never finished before this season, never finished better than our sixth best three point shooter through three years of playing here. And now he's like our best, you know, our first, he's best on the team. And I, you know, of course it's a down year for us shooting overall, but 36%, nothing to 36.6, almost 37%, nothing to, you know, turn your nose down to, um, really an awesome season for him, especially his senior year, closing it out like that on a senior night was like the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, so that was, that was really cool. So I like that choice too. Okay. Um, we don't have to do most improved player. I feel like that's basically the same thing. Yeah, because I would have either picked Lawson or Darian Jackson. Yeah, (laughs) those are the two I have, too. I mean, just uh, the Darian Jackson three-point extravaganza is, like, that's where I would have gone most improved just because getting that shot adds a whole other layer. And then the uh, sick backdoor cuts that he really (laughs) added this year. Of course. So Yeah, somebody had to take uh, Daquan Jeffries' place there. And we've got him back next year, so we'll see more of him next year, I'm sure. Okay, the play of the year. Um, <laughs> I was torn. I was so there's one that I'm like, okay, I have to give it to this one. But there was yeah. a second one that it was like, I just loved it so much. I was also I was between two. I'm curious if they're the, I'm sure one of them is the same. I'm curious what your second one is. Yeah. So I feel like the one that's obviously the same is the Wichita State yeah. buzzer beater by Elijah Joyner. So dramatic. Yeah. And I feel like that's the one that I will remember forever. No doubt. Uh, but the other one uh, was Brandon Rochelle to Martin Zagano. Yes, that was mine too. In Colorado State. Yeah. To force another <laughs> overtime. That was to force a third one, right? Yeah. That was in double? Yeah. Yeah, that was my. That was also my 
co-play of the year because i knew i knew we were both gonna pick the you can't beat i mean there's no nothing better than a buzzer beating three over your rival school the team you've played the most in the history of college basketball uh for tulsa and to beat them at home in front of a packed stadium and crowd going nuts win by uh, like literally a buzzer it wasn't like kind of a buzzer where they have you know they get like 0.3 seconds to throw it and chuck up a shot that's the ball came off his fingers, and there was 0.1 seconds left. It doesn't get any better. And then his, the whole story with his dad being there. Oh, my gosh. So, like, you can't beat that. Any, mm-hmm. It could have been – I mean, that could have been the best play in college basketball. Like, with the surrounding events of his father and everything being there. That's why it got so big on ESPN and stuff like that. Um, you can't beat it. But the full court pass to, to put it to a third overtime, that's close. I mean, it's not really close, but it's it's definitely there. But man, uh, God, just an awesome game. Awesome game. Uh, sadly, lost that in triple overtime um, after everybody fouled out. But yeah. so it goes. It's the curse of the BOK. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's true, man. Oh, God. I hope we don't have any games there next year. You can't be okay in the yeah. BOK arena. Unless you're the opposing team. Okay, so this is the one I was really excited about. Uh, last serious award, I guess. I guess the other ones are. Yeah, the other ones are kind of anti-awards. nothing but seriousness on this podcast. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so this one is moments of the year. So you're kind of your top moments. And I'm sure the buzzer bite beater that we just talked about will be there. So. No, that's somehow my play of the year, but it, it wasn't a moment. It, <laughs> yeah. it transcended that. It, well, yeah, it's true. Yeah, there was something else. Uh, okay, so I have five, <laughs> but okay. uh, I'll start it. Um, so my first moment of the year. These can be good or bad, right? My first one, bad. The very disappointing eight-point win. And it was closer than that for most of the game. The eight-point win over Houston Baptist for the first game of the season. The screaming children extravaganza. (laughs) Dude, Houston Baptist ended the year 4-25. and And they were 342 in Ken Palm. Oh, God. And we almost lost that game. That would have been... I, I don't know for sure, but I feel like probably would have been the worst loss in Tulsa basketball history at home. Because we the UT Arlington one, th- wait, that, that was on the road. Who did we lose to at home that was really bad? Uh, Arkansas State. Yes, that was also a very bad home loss. Yeah, um, this one we, we did have we did lose to that uh, Division two school a couple of years ago, Southwestern. Oh that's Oklahoma true. Oklahoma State well, University. They're not tracking Ken Palm, so off the radar screen. Yeah, but yes, good point. That oh god, brutal. Uh, but yeah, the Houston Baptist one, uh, the Huskies, I think they are, eight point win. But man, it was like neck and neck all game. I was, and it was the first game of the year when we've got all these new guys, and I'm like, oh geez, it's gonna be that kind of season. It, we are gonna come in tenth this season. <laughs> oh my god, oh it was so bad, and oh it just didn't get any better all game, and it was just a slog all the way to the end. We dropped in Ken Palm. You know, it was just like the southeastern Louisiana win. We dropped after the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, just not not a good good moment. Um, do you want me to go through all of mine and then you do yours? Yeah, that way, I mean, if we have any of the same, just talk about them and yeah. we get to them. Sounds good. Uh, so my second my second moment of the year, uh, these are mostly just things that I remember the clearest. Um, so the other one that sticks out of my mind, uh, all the weird like <laughs> fighting and technical fouls that happened at the Houston game on the road um, that led to that blowout loss. Uh, just bizarre. I mean, we had, you know, you had Martin Zigbanu shouldering the guy who like way oversells it and falls flat on his back. Uh, 
And then that guy who got shouldered ends up getting a technical for some reason, which I don't know if it's because he said something or what. And then you've got Joyner running over with his arms flailing around trying to, you know, stick up for his team. Frank Haith getting kicked out of the game. Joyner getting kicked out of the game. Igbanu only ends up with a personal foul. Um, the Houston dude get, gets kicked out. or got just got a tech, I don't remember. Um, oh, just a weird, such a weird, like, sequence of events right there. Uh, did not help Tulsa at all. We ended up getting smoked. But um, that's another one that is just a kind of a bizarre moment that stuck it was like the it was like the frank eighth danny hurley fighting thing last year just like such a weird stretch of time um so yeah there's that one uh, of course joiners three so i have that in here too um but we've already talked about that plenty but you know so much emotion around his dad being in the stands for the first time in the in the tulsa stadium um crying in the all the post-game interviews and the interview interviews with bruce howard right after the game too and all that stuff uh just an awesome scene and I mean, that's, pro- that's the biggest moment of the year, in my opinion. Uh, the next one, the 40-point win over Memphis. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got to be the up there. That's, I mean, that could be the biggest surprise of the year, I'd say. Like, this originally I had called this one surprises of the year, but I changed it to moments because I wanted to talk about things that weren't just surprising. But um, like, who would have thought? Shut down <laughs> conference player of the year. Dude, yeah. He puts up like eight points in the first half yeah. and then like nothing the rest zero, of the season. Right? Yeah, he ended with I'm eight points, sure, yeah. I think. They just like laid a oh yeah Memphis he, he just, won Memphis player just of the year. laid a brick he, yeah precious Chua won right mm-hmm. yeah yep yeah that the uh, the lady in front of us at the game talked about how much she loved our banter <laughs> yeah. uh, and we told her to subscribe to the Golden Hurricast which I hope she did I hope she's listening you're a wonderful woman but yeah I mean it was just bizarre dude like nothing worked for Memphis they were just throwing the ball out of bounds for no reason on wide open passes. Uh, and everything was working for us. It was the best game of the season for like a complete game standpoint for Tulsa. Um, a 40 point win over a ranked team at the time with the number one recruiting class, Sands, James Wiseman. But man, like that's gotta be the biggest surprise of the year. Nobody would have ever seen that coming. I mean, that was another thing that made, made it rounds on ESPN. Cause everybody was like, this is Penny Hardaway's ranked Memphis team with Mike Miller on the sideline and all these big time players. Um, just got blown out by 40 to Tulsa. Ah, good stuff. You love to see that. Let's oh, yeah. Uh, and my last one was another one we've already talked about. It was Brandon Rochelle's uh, perfect pass to Martin Zigbani to uh, force the triple overtime versus Colorado State that then ended in the triple overtime loss because everybody fouled out. Okay. So I've got a couple um, moments, things First, I'll stick with that Colorado State. So that game happened. Uh, I was in St. Louis back home at my parents' for because it was like Christmas time. And so I remember saying like, oh, I've got to go finish some last-minute Christmas shopping because I'm one of those people who is really bad at that. And so I was like, all right, well, once this game's over, because we were down by like 10 with a minute left, I was like, this game will be over soon, and then I'll hit oh, yeah. it and be sad. Right. And then we came back. Like in a minute, we put up 10 points. <laughs> To go to overtime. And I was yep. like, all right, man, I'm sitting here. It's looking good. Then the first overtime, like they start to, was it? Yeah, because that was the force, the third overtime, right? We've, we'll figure that out. So I think we, yeah. yeah, so we pushed up and we got ahead in the first overtime and they're coming back. And then, you know, they, they end up forcing another overtime. I think they hit some deep three, right? Mm-hmm. To force the yeah, second so overtime. It was yeah. super dramatic, like in all aspects of the game. Yeah. 
and then we're getting the second overtime. Then you have that play. We're in thir- thir- <laughs> the third overtime. My mom comes back from the store, which she had left for <laughs> when I was saying that I was waiting for the, like, the last couple minutes to end. Yeah. She's like, have you left? And I was like, no, the game will not end. Right. It is incredible. And then you had Brandon Rochelle, Martin Zigbanu, and Jariah Horn off. Or no, Rochelle, Horn, Jackson. I don't remember. Somebody. It, it was, felt like half the team. Yeah, everybody. I mean, you play three extra periods of basketball no surprise so yeah. bummer to lose that one but super exciting yeah uh the next one was just so i remember watching the yukon game at your house right before we recorded the episode mm-hmm. um and it was like we were up by a lot emotions were high we were all super stoked <laughs> and then we they came back and they took the lead and just the mood in yeah. this house was gone yeah and then we came back again and we were super excited. And then we foul Christian Vital oh, on that three-point attempt. Just a He killer. sinks all three of them. We're going to overtime. I'm like, shit. Like, to go to UConn, they have so much momentum. This is going to suck. Yeah. And then Igbanu and Rochelle just, you know, had a, had their way with UConn. And we ended up winning by, like, four. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't even that – it wasn't really that close. Yeah, they lit it, lit it up in that overtime. And then – so the last moment – that really sticks with me that we haven't already talked about is just the injury to Rochelle in the UConn game at home. Mm. Because you have that, that we end up losing the game to UConn, and then we get blown out by UCF without Rochelle playing. It was just, it really hurt our defense a big part, and we couldn't adjust quick enough for those two games. And, I mean, you think, like, we don't give up the one of the greatest three-point percentage games I've ever seen yeah. to UCF. And we're, like, the sole possessors of first place in the conference. Like, it only ends up being, like, one game is all it took. And so that yep. – I feel like you have that, and he just didn't seem like – I mean, he wasn't the same player after that. He had already not been as great on offense, but even defensively, he wasn't as strong as he was early on in the season after that. Right. And so that's kind of – uh, you have that, and then I'll say the last one is Lawson Carita on senior night. Oh, yeah. going, oh, God. How did I not put that in there? Going Super Saiyan against UCF. Like, specifically, just he's going for that layup. He gets fouled. It goes in and one, and he's just sitting there. Dude. On, on the uh, next to the hoop, everybody's just coming over and, like, slapping him, and he's just, like, <laughs> seems in utter bliss. I mean, it was incredible. You could, uh, you, you, I don't know if you heard him talk like after the game. Frank Hayes said it and Lawson said it separately. I don't know if they said it to each other beforehand or something, but uh, you couldn't script it any better, right? That's what they both said. And Bruce Howard said it too. And same with J.R. Rollo. Everybody's saying it. But it's the truth, man. Like for him, for like the guy is not a like pure scorer, right? Nobody's ever going to argue that he is. And for him to have that game on senior night, his last home game. At the Reynolds Center, like just to go off like that, carry the team. He's the reason we won that game. And dude, I remember so vividly, like the that steal and then going up for that layup. And you knew, like, oh my God, is he gonna dunk this ball? Right? Can he actually dunk? He's never he had he can for sure. Like he did in high school, um, but he never has in college. I don't think he ever has once. And he was going up for it, man. He got kind of undercut and. I, he blames it on that. Like I listened to his little, his, uh, you know, just him talking about it in an interview with somebody. Um, and they're like, were you going to dunk that ball? 
he's like, yeah, you know, and he, he was saying he still counts it as a dunk, which I don't, is a stretch to call, to call that a dunk. He did kind of, it went in and he went up for the dunk, but he didn't quite get there with the undercut, but man, it was so nice. Like it doesn't get any better for, for that to happen for a guy like that. It's just super awesome. All right. Any other moments? Uh, no, I mean, I feel like we hit a lot of the, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, there's a ton of other moments, but we could sit here for like yeah, years. Right, yeah, we're all, oh my God, it's already almost half an hour in. So yeah, let's keep it moving. Uh, so these are the, uh, I don't know what to call them. The anti-awards. They're still award. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but fun and they all seem like kind of sad. Yeah, I know. That's why I was, <laughs> I, I listed them as fun, but they're definitely not fun awards. I don't know what to call them. Uh, one of them's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Um, fine awards there we go uh least improved player is the first one this one was is this the player who like went reverse or just stayed where he was i guess it could be either yeah whatever you think it's it's flexible um this is the one i had the toughest time with honestly uh no one from last year's team that i i think unless i got this wrong but i don't think anybody from last year's team that came back this year averaged fewer points per game so there was no like easy pick based on points. So I was going down the list and I like, I feel bad picking this one. Cause I really don't think he stayed the same really were regressed, but nobody else really did either. So I, my pick is Joyner. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the most similar to last year. I think of everybody that I looked at. Um, yeah. And I mean, you can say that's to be fair. It's just everybody else had visible, improvement Mm -hmm. and so saying he's the least improved is not necessary i mean it is like he didn't have a huge jump from sophomore to junior year yeah i mean 2018 2018 2019 season he averaged 5.2 points a game this season he averaged 7.3 so i mean that's that's a decent jump um he averaged one more assist than last year which is good most of his other stats were pretty similar uh, he did the what, what kind of made me choose him was he did go down in turnovers, so he averaged almost an entire turnover more than last year, um, and that's not a good thing, right? So I think this season he he almost averaged two turnovers per game, yeah, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the the reason that I that I picked him. I don't think he had a bad year by any means. Like obviously he's the one who he's been all over this episode so far with that Wichita three, that the late three. Um, but I just think he's the. I just had to go with him because everybody else had a better year. Yeah, the only other. I mean, Joyner was my pick too. And the only one that I thought, and I don't think he's like a serious, is Jariah Horn. Just had the, mm-hmm. like, he had incredible highs and incredible lows, and yeah. so it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what kind of season he had. Where because I think the highs were high enough that he ended up being on average better than last season, but there were stretches that were tough. Oh, yeah. Uh, but over the course of the year, yeah, because outside of the like Wichita State game, I mean, I feel like Joyner wasn't super, like, a huge presence, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think I, Horn is a, is a decent choice, too. Like, he didn't, um, you know, he, I think he averaged about a point more than last year. Uh, but he's, was his three-point percentage down this year? I, don't I think, remember. I think so. Let me see. Last year, Dry Horn. Oh, it did. Yeah, thirty-seven percent last year. It's closer to thirty-six this year, right? And yeah, thirty-four percent this year. So yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, he's he's up there too. With he averaged more points, but he I guess he took more shots as well. And I think he made more of an impact, kind of doing his little step into the lane, do a spin move, and throw something up that usually goes in, but sometimes doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, those I'd say yeah, Joiner and Horn probably the two for least improved. Okay, so next up is guy who disappeared halfway through the season. I have another two for these, and I couldn't pick between them. Um, they're two very different causes, right? So my first one is Reggie Jones. So he totally dropped that. Like he's, I guess he's probably the winner. If I had to pick one, I'd pick Reggie. Um, in the non-conference, he was averaging eight points a game. First year player, pretty good for a guy who's, you know, coming in right now. Uh, had a game with 19 points against UT Arlington. Another game with 18 points, South Carolina State. But then conference play started and everything changed. All of a sudden, he's like hardly in the game. His minutes dropped off significantly. And he averaged 0.69 points per game. Nice. Not nice. Not nice. Uh, really dropped off. Like All of a sudden, he just wasn't a, he wasn't a factor. I mean, that, it's going to come. Haith does it every year. He always plays everybody, big rotations early in the season. And Jones was scoring. But for whatever reason, he's the one that kind of seemed to got the slash, get the slash um, late in the year when we were trying to pare, pare down the rotation uh, to, you know, eight or seven or eight guys. And all of a sudden, he wasn't a factor anymore. So he's my first one. My second one was the more obvious choice, I think, of Brandon Rochelle. Um, it wasn't quite like a guy who disappeared halfway through the season because he didn't really disappear halfway. Um, but he did have a significant drop-off. And it was, it was close to half, so he, he counts, I think. Through 20 games, the guy averaged 15 points a game, right? He was, like, in the in the discussion for Conference Player of the Year, first-team all-conference. Not quite Conference Player of the Year, but he was in discussion for first-team all-conference. Then those last 10 games, all of a sudden, he drops off to 6.9 points a game. Another, wow, 6.9 in both players. Wow, what, what are the chances? Um, but, yeah, I think uh, those two, you know, they both started off so fast and all of a sudden uh, really just dropped. And Rochelle, not as egregious as Reggie Jones, but Reggie Jones, not quite egregious because he just wasn't in the game anymore. So I'm not sure what the reason was behind all that. Uh, so I guess I interpreted this question differently than you did because I thought it was kind of literal and so i was gonna give it to george yes i thought about give it doing george i'm glad you did uh just because <laughs> he actually like disappeared yeah. and just let like i think left the university halfway through the season yeah he's back so. in greece and there was never i never saw a formal like explanation no, I all i did was hear from students there yeah i don't think they just wanted to i guess since <laughs> it was like a, it sounded like it was a more personal reason but yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's who I gave it to because it's like all of a sudden it's like, where's George? Why isn't he on the sideline? Yeah, like uh, no one ever knew. I mean, it took us a few weeks so, to figure it out. So hyped for yeah. his for him, and it's just like I don't know, disappointment of the year preview. Yeah, I know, man. It's a bummer. It's a bummer not to see him around there. Uh, but yeah, so let's nice uh, segue there. So disappointment of the year is our final anti award. Um, this can be a player or an event. Mm. Um, and like you, I had George. <laughs> George leaving the school and moving back to Greece. A uh, real bummer. He didn't play much. It was always fun when he did come in. I remember, I think the first time he got in this year, he turned it over immediately. Is, was that him? Yeah, but then, you know, he also had that block. Yeah, true. And true. so like, yes. his stat <laughs> yeah. line for TU will essentially be a turnover and a block. Yeah, that's right. That's, uh, you know, the highs and the lows. You know, mm -hmm. He gives them to you. Yeah, um, so for disappointment of the year, I have a, one player and one event, and the event is just uh, no conference tournament. And yep. we've talked about that. And it's just such a bummer because we were going to go down to Fort Worth. This is, I mean, seemed like we had a really good shot this year to make a push. 
I guess getting a little ahead of myself looking towards next year. I mean, next year seems like it's got to be the year. It's do or it's mm. not not necessarily do or die, but we're super senior heavy. Yep. So there's going to be a lot of turnover. So if not next year, it's going to be a little bit. Um, so yeah, lack of conference tournament, no postseason play. I'm in the point where like I understand why all of it's happening, but I'm still sad. Yeah. And I'm allowed to have both of those. You are. Um, and I'll then allow it. for so disappointment of the year player wise, I don't like. I mean, again, it's it's hard to do that, but you don't I'm gonna have say, to do a player. I I don't have to, but I'll just say where my my expectations were. I was more, I was a lot more excited for uh, Emmanuel Ugbo mm-hmm. coming into this season, um, and I mean, he definitely improved because he was putting up points and like not. He had much better hands by the end of the season, but I was kind of hoping for more of an impact from like a big man for once. Yeah, we just. We struggle. Like next year, mm-hmm. do we have who's our? No one's tall next year except Ugbo. Yeah, he needs to have a so. big year. He needs to, which we will get into later. I have something to say about him later on. But going back to what you said about next year being not do or die, but like a great chance, like we should make the NCAA tournament, or we should be right in the conversation at the bare minimum, because mm-hmm. um, we have so much talent. But it's, what I was thinking there is like, and I know me and you have talked about it before, but it's kind of a parallel with football season. Like, we have a ton of talent coming back on both sides in football. We have a ton of talent coming back in basketball. It could be a very, very awesome year in Tulsa sports. It could also be the most disappointing year in Tulsa sports in a very long time, uh, which is hard to do. But the possibilities are there for both very good and very bad. Um, So we will see what happens. All right, uh, let's move on to some listener questions. We we put out a thing on Twitter just asking if anybody wanted uh, us to touch on anything specific. So, had several of you write in uh, various things to talk about, and a lot of them were really, really good questions. So, figured we'd get into those. What's that? I was just—it's exciting. I feel like this is the first time we've actually had people like actually give us stuff to. Yeah, we don't ask very much. I feel like we should ask more often. Maybe that's a uh, in the survey. If you want us to ask more often, let us know because uh, that'll probably be a question in there. Um, so, I love referring to people as friend of the show because it makes it sound very official. So, friend of the show, show. Thank you. <laughs> friend of the show palmer watkins at the palmski the underscore palmski i should say uh s3 very good questions so the first one and the one i have the longest answer for um how will future talent mesh with the current players great question so to go into this a little bit get some background on who the future talent is we've got three kind of new faces coming in next season uh two of which are transfers that played at power five schools and one of which is a high school recruit uh, so let me break those guys down a little bit. First, the transfers. Keyshawn Embry-Simpson, and we've talked about the two transfers a little bit, so I won't go too in-depth on them, but Keyshawn Embry-Simpson uh, goes by Keyshawn Embry, as far as I can tell. Uh, former four-star recruit, according to ESPN, transfer from Arkansas. He's 6'3", 195 pounds. Um, played a lot as kind of the sixth man for Arkansas uh, two years ago, as, as I think as a freshman, I guess. Um Good three-point shooter. He didn't, apparently, in high school he was. Uh, not He didn't have a great three-point percentage at Arkansas. He was 27% from three in that 2018-19 season. Um, and he is from Midwest City, Oklahoma. So nice Oklahoma kid coming in. Uh, second new face, the other transfer, um, is Curtis Haywood, another four-star recruit. Uh, according to ESPN, I think Rivals has Curtis as a three-star guy, but ESPN has him as a four-star. Um, he is a transfer from Georgia Tech. And he's a little bit bigger. He's 6'5", 202, but he's the same kind of style of player 
Uh, they're both kind of wing type players who are good shooters. The thing I'm concerned about him, he played two seasons at Georgia Tech, both of which he got hurt and missed a lot of the season. So I am worried that maybe he's a little bit injury prone. Could just be unlucky. I know that happens a lot. Uh, but he had a stress fracture in his right leg as a freshman. He hurt his ankle as a sophomore and missed several games for both of those. Um, but another Oklahoma guy. He went to high school at Mustang High School here in Oklahoma. Uh, so it's cool to have, you know, it's cool to have local, more local people on the team, I think. I, I always enjoy that side of things. Uh, not to take anything away from people who aren't, but I just think it's fun uh, to have the Oklahoma guys. And then, so those are two transfers. And then we have a high school recruit, just one. Um, another point guard kind of guy, similar to Isaiah Hill like last year, uh, Keyshawn Williams, right? So he's the three-star recruit, our only high school recruit this year. He's 6'2", 175 from Chicago Heights, Illinois. Um, I watched his highlight tape today because I was just doing a little bit more info on him. Uh, doesn't look like much of a shooter. At least he didn't emphasize that in the highlight tape, uh, but looked real quick, looked like a really good driver, really good passer. Uh, the dude had a ton of offers for college. He picked Tulsa over lots of schools. I'm not going to list them all, but uh, some of the bigger ones, West Virginia, DePaul, Kansas State, Murray State, Colorado, Colorado State, and like five or six more. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Sweet. We said the same thing about Manny Ugbo last year, and that didn't pan out as much, but he's not, you know he's got yet. another year for himself. Uh, Keyshawn Williams has four years to develop. He's a freshman. He'll be a freshman next year. Um, so very excited about him. Part two of that question is how will these guys mesh with the current team? And that's the more interesting uh, part of it to actually talk about. Um, they all seem very similar to each other. So, yeah, the two transfers are very similar. Point guard, I don't – so it'll be interesting to see if Keyshawn Williams plays at all next year because we'll still have Joyner who's going to be like – I feel like Joyner will take on the kind of senior leader role uh, just emotionally on the team, and he'll, he'll play a ton. And then we've got Isaiah Hill, who's already played a full season and uh, will be a sophomore next year. And if, you know, Hill didn't have a great year this year. So if he doesn't progress a lot, we could see Keyshawn Williams coming in for Hill. They could, you know, swap time a lot. But if Hill takes a big step forward, I don't see Keyshawn Williams getting a ton of playing time. But what I really think could be really cool uh, are the two transfers, right? So these guys have played big games for big schools in power conferences. Um I think the fact that they've been on the sidelines all year will really help just with, you know, gelling with the team. They know the coaching staff already. They know how practices work, stuff like that. Um, but the biggest point, our weakest, probably our biggest weakness this year is three-point shooting, right? Mm -hmm. Both these guys are advertised as great shooters. And we are losing our best three-point shooter from last year in Los Creta. We retain who could somebody who, you know, has been one of our best three-point shooters in Jariah Horn, so now, all of a sudden, we go from having one and a half good three-point shooters to possibly like three or four. Um, and if Keyshawn Embry and Curtis Haywood can show that they can actually shoot the ball really well, that adds so much to the game. Um, if our defense stays anywhere near the level it was last year, which you think it would because of all, all of our best defensive players are coming back, um, that is a dangerous-looking team. You've got an Arkansas guy who can shoot the three. You've got a Georgia Tech guy who can shoot the three. You've got Jariah Horn. You've got Darian Jackson. You've got Igbon, or you've got Rochelle. Um, it is a good-looking squad. So I am super excited. I think they'll mesh well because we need those are roles we need to fill really bad, right? So you got to think the whole team is excited for those two guys to step in. Yeah. The only my only fear is I get nervous when people advertise players as three-point <laughs> specialists just because last year we had. 
the three point like sp- specialist elite sniper Zeke Moore, <laughs> who shot twenty three percent and then left. <laughs> uh, that's so true. I mean, you know, knock on wood, that's not going to happen again. He was a sniper in that uh, that uh, exhibition game, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the <laughs> exhibition and then the uh, the game against University of New Orleans. It was his breakout performance <laughs> of, right. of the season. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was that his last game. I'm trying no, to. No, I don't think so. No, he made it to conference play. So, but yeah, he was three for three in that game. Yeah, nice. And then one for fourteen <laughs> the rest of the season. Oh God, really? Yeah. Oh geez, that's brutal. So yeah. Anyways, they've got to be better than that. And if I mean, if we get the three point shooting, that really helps. Especially, um, I don't know if you are looking to move on to the next part of this question, but I mean, if we have more outside threats, I. Th- think that helps isaiah hill because mm-hmm. his big thing there were two things that i thought kept him back this year uh, and that was his propensity to turn the ball over yep. uh, especially at very inconvenient times God. which is anytime you're on offense yeah um and then i feel like he tried to do too much mm-hmm. in that he would keep this is an issue of we didn't have shooters again but trying to he try and penetrate to the basket a lot and he is not super great at going through when there's three or four guys yeah. blocking the lane from him and so i think the if we have that it'll automatically help him take that next step but maybe not hold the ball as much like as long it seems like he just gets a little bit too possessive of the ball yeah and i i think a lot of that I don't know. This is kind of a default answer, but it really does seem like it's the point. He's just, I mean, he's getting, he still feels like he's still even late into the freshman year, still getting used to the college game. Um, And I had cut down on the turnovers, obviously as one of mine as well. But my other one as a next step for him uh, was just to like, just kind of work on his body. You know, he's, he just, he's generally one of the smallest guys on the court. Um, He's a true freshman, right? You'd expect that, I guess uh, generally, but um, especially for his kind of game, he doesn't, he was, I think he had the worst three point. Yeah. Worst three point percentage on the team. He didn't take a ton of them, um, but that's cause he doesn't like to, like he likes to get in the lane and take it up there. And for him to be effective, he's going to have to be able to get in and be physical with guys. And his body just isn't there to compare with a lot of the guys who were defending him in the American, uh, big, strong dudes. Right. So he can work on his body a bit, uh, kind of get bigger and stronger there. That I think that will also help with the turnovers a lot because a lot of the time he's getting bullied He's got great handle on the ball, um, and he was a star in high school, and you can tell his, his ball handling is great. But uh, a lot of times people just bully him and, and take the ball away. So working on his body will, will help with both of those things. And then if he can, if he wants to be a three-point shooter, I mean, he doesn't have to be. We have All of a sudden, we've got weapons, um, assuming those two transfers pan out. My fingers are crossed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so he shouldn't need to shoot the three if we don't need him to. And, you know, if he gets better at it and can knock it down, that's great. But... Um, if, if he's just going to be kind of a Darian Jackson style guy for the first couple of years, play good defense and be able to get to the bucket and be able to finish up there. That's, that's plenty, especially for a sophomore season. All right. So Palmer's third question, third and final, uh, and then we'll move on to the next questions. Um, the breakout performers for next year, another really fun one to think about. Uh, I have one clear one that I am convinced, convinced that is going to pan out Josh early. I really like him. Really like his game. Six foot seven, two hundred and ten pounds. Freshman last year, so he'll be a sophomore next year. He only played five minutes a game. I think we could have. I would have liked to see him play more this season. I think he could have come in for a dry horn a lot of the time. Um, we needed him on offense. I know all the three point shooting things, but um, 
And he did come in for Igbanu or for Ugbo every now and then, but five minutes a game, I mean, it's basically like you're not playing out there. Um, I really liked what I saw from him all season. He just looks athletic. He looks smooth out there. He's confident. He looks like he knows what he's doing. Um, apparently, a manager on the team told me he's the best jumper, like the best dunker on the team. So he's got the athleticism in him. Um, if I had to bet on one guy, I would bet on Josh Early. Uh, if he doesn't get any minutes next year, I'm just missing something, I guess, and there's a reason that he didn't play much. Uh, but I really, like, he's a big, he's not like a tall, skinny guy either. He's like a big physical guy, and I think he could really get it done. And if Manny Ugbo, who is my my other one, uh, I really, if he doesn't pan out, um, Josh Early's going to have to play a huge role and be kind of the undersized guy like Martin Zigbani was this year. Uh, but for Ugbos, who's my, my part two, um, he only has one year left, right? Next year is his last year of eligibility. Yep. Uh, the guy, I mean, if he was younger, I would feel better about this pick, but since he only has a year left, I don't know how much better he can get in a season, but man, he looks so raw this year. Like he just looked half the time. He looked like he didn't know what he was doing. Uh, footwork was not nearly as good as Igbani is down there. Thing he has going for him, pure size, baby. The guy's like. I think he's legitimately seven feet tall. Uh, he is jacked. He like we need him to be a dominant physical force. And if he can score down there, he already not being able to score, he sucks up defenses because they he's so big. They need to they need to have him have people on him. Uh, if he can actually score, that guy is you know sky's the limit for him. Yeah. Um. So my breakout performer for next year. Um. And this is just what I think, especially after having a down season. Uh, compared to what I thought was a really good first season for him, uh, Jariah Horn. And so why do I th- I think he'll have a breakout performance specifically because his three-point percentage dropped by about uh, a little over a percent and a half. Mm-hmm. And so I see that bouncing back up to next year. I think he will be our best three-point shooter on the team next year. Um, and I think he'll be shooting closer to like a 39% Got on, nice. uh, let's say, like 37 three or no you know he shoots more than that regularly like on 4.2 attempts a game yeah and so i think he'll do that i don't know if he'll necessarily leads us lead us in points per game uh, i think it will be between him and rochelle just because i see rochelle bouncing back but not necessarily breaking out mm-hmm. uh but yeah no i see horn breaking out and contributing like just him becoming that outside presence again increases the performance of the team as a whole yeah um and i think he'll be better on defense as well like he was kind of the of our starting five him and carito were both kind of our weak links on defense and i think that after you know being in the system for two years i think he'll have a better grasp of not that he didn't have a grasp or anything like that but i think he'll just be get a better rap on it again that's the same thing i just said but a different word um (laughs) no i agree but that's where that's where I'm at. I'm predicting Horn to be our breakout performer next year. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that one. Uh, Horn is a good one, especially you made a bunch of good points there with him kind of not declining necessarily this year, but not being as good as we kind of hoped. I really think his senior year next year will be will be pretty awesome. Um, kind of a sleeper one that I had written down, uh, but wanted to look up something real quick about it. Uh, Reggie Jones. So I had him originally, and I decided to take him off my list, but I did want to talk about him. I think that he is a decent candidate for this, but uh, there are a couple things that really pull him down in terms of like I don't I don't actually see him breaking out at all next year. I could actually see his playing time declining because we have 
these two transfers who are basically taking his role, right? And for whatever reason, he got no playing time the second half of this year. And I've heard just from, you know, a couple a couple different people actually uh, that he didn't gel so well with the coaching staff. So there's been some problems there. Um, and I don't know, like he, he's got, I guess one season probably left, right? Cause he played two years at Western Michigan and I just don't see how, where he fits anymore. Right. Cause we've got Keyshawn Embry, Curtis Haywood, Jariah Horn, all, all being kind of his style of play. He likes to shoot the three ball and he proved that he can make it early in the season, which is why I could see him as a breakout candidate if he does get the minutes. But I just don't see like it. It seems like the coaching staff doesn't want to play him. And if that's the case, then obviously you're not going to break out. Um, and I don't see how, I mean, he'd have to have a heck of an off season and really prove himself during the summer uh, and fall to the coaching staff for him to get the minutes over Keyshawn Embry and Curtis Haywood, which if I were to make a bet right now, I bet it goes to those two guys. All right. So let's move on to other friend of the show, Tulsa hop, a uh, frequent commenter and things like that. Um, he made a nice, uh, I didn't even know about this thing, but, uh, this guy at totally underscore T underscore bomb, who is Bart Torvik. Uh, he makes a bunch of projections and does a bunch of college analytics. Uh, some of which he calls funlytics, which is what Tulsa hop sent us. Uh, it's his early 2021 projections for not to be confused with Josh early. It's the entire team. Uh, oh yes. Good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has a whole website dedicated to just Josh early predictions. I'd be all about it, man. I love that guy already. Um, but yeah, so he put up a bunch of like projected contributors and stats for the 2021 season and wanted to, th- you know, his question was, what are our thoughts on, on Bart Torvik's projections there? And I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> on these very weird numbers. Um, so just, uh, you know, in case all of you <laughs> who aren't Tulsa Hop aren't looking at the chart right now, um, just some breakdown. I'll just go points per game for everybody. So going down the list, they have Rochelle averaging 14.6 points a game, Horn averaging 12.6, Darian Jackson averaging 8.8, Joyner averaging 7.9, Hill 6.5, Curtis Haywood 5.6, Keyshawn Embry 4.2 per game, Reggie Jones 4.1, Manny Ugbo 2.2, and Josh Early 1.1. I'm about to go off on Josh Early right here. That's probably um, why he doesn't have a website dedicated. <laughs> I'm gonna make to I'm him. gonna make a Josh Early JoshEarlyFans.com. And boom, we can link to it from the Golden Hurricane cast. But uh, okay, so those are the baselines. Almost all of the players who played last year, he has improving by a small margin. Um, I think almost everybody by like, yeah, one or two points per game is improving. Curtis Haywood, Embry are all new. Reggie Jones goes up by 0.3. Manny Ugbo only by 0.5. And Josh Early only improving by 0.1 points a game, right? Uh, so my takeaways here. Lots of guys being very underrated in this chart. I, I really think so. Uh, there is no way in hell that Josh Early is only scoring 1.1 points a game next year. There's no way. I, I would be blown away if he is our second lowest, our lowest scorer after Manny Ugbo. I mean, was, was that even the case this year? I guess it, uh, Ugbo, one point. Yeah, okay. So he was this year, but he only played five minutes a game, right? So he'll be a sophomore next year. There is no chance that he only improves by 0.2 points a game. I really think, uh, or wait, by 0.1 point per game. Yeah. I really think he's going to be a great player for us. And he's got three more years to develop. He already looks like he could be a big-time guy. Like, I, I think he's he's going to be a huge contributor. 
Um, he's got good size. He's got great footwork. He's got great touch on the ball. Uh, from the little you've seen him this year, I mean, he just looks like a good player. So the fact that he's only listed as 1.1 points a game really blows my mind. I think that's the biggest uh, mix-up in that chart. Next, um, Joiner. Uh, he was listed as 7.9 a game. This one isn't quite as bad. I could actually see him being around that number. Um, but I do think, I think he's going to take a big step his senior year. I think he's going to, I mentioned it earlier. I, I really think he's going to embrace that senior le- senior leader kind of role for the team and try to be the guy. I think that'll, I think that'll really contribute to his defensive statistics. Uh, if he can take a step up at an offense, I think that'll help a lot. His projection for Joyner isn't too bad, but I do think he'll be a little bit better. Um, I was also surprised by Keyshawn, uh, Embry and Curtis Haywood with the small numbers there. Yeah. Super low. Yeah. I, I would, I would be surprised. Maybe one of those guys doesn't pan out, but if both of them average 5.6 slash 4.2 points a game, like that low, that'd be a huge disappointment. Uh, cause like Haith himself has hyped them up plenty in the off season. So he thinks they're good enough and there's no way that those guys are getting less than six points a game. Maybe one of them, you know, just based on playing time or it being their first year with the program or whatever. Um, but I can't see both of them doing that. I mean, they're talented players. They played at big schools. They did well at big schools for the most part. Uh, and they obviously have the potential to, to be kind of leaders on this team. So the fact that they're listed as our, um, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, sixth and seventh worst players, uh, best players, I guess, um, just doesn't make sense to me. And my last one is Ugbo only getting 2.2 points a game. Uh, if that's the case, we are in trouble. Like we talked about a little bit before. Um, there's no way. Like, I mean, there is a way, I guess, if he gets no better last, well, next year. Yeah, and I wonder how he bases his minute percentage, like his minute share, because he has Ugbo and Early as 19 and 12 percent. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if Ugbo's not, if he's only playing 19 percent, like he's not getting, they're not swapping Igbano in for him anymore. Yeah. And so there's not really any one person right now that you're like, oh, okay, there's the Ugbo starts if we do the same thing with that. Yeah. So, I mean, if he's not playing, I feel like it's going to be early. That's So one of their... Or we're going five out and playing all, playing all the guards, but there's no way. Doesn't seem like Haith really likes to do that. Other Like, he liked to do that to just this season specifically because he didn't want to start Igbanu. Right. But, yeah, I one of them is going to have higher percentage of minutes. And so their points are already, I feel like, off just because of how low he has them projected to play yep yep that's a good point i didn't even realize the percentage of minutes there were so low uh yeah that is crazy i mean yeah there's i think the biggest the biggest one in my opinion i said already is josh early like there i i really was blown away but blown away by that number um i really hope that's not the case because i'm really high on him and Mm -hmm. i'd be sad if he didn't play uh, i can't i can't tell if you like josh early or not though i do boy i do i think he's gonna be awesome um you have anything to add to, to all that? No, I think you hit the nail on the head and I put, got my two cents in there. Cool. Okay. Uh, there was a part two for Tulsa Hop that we are not going to do because we don't have three hours to do this podcast. But Well, not today. Um, yeah, I, I know. That's a good point. The actual future. YouTube video is only an hour long because they abbreviate the, the game. Oh, that's nice. Uh, he put one on there just so people know what we're talking about. He said, can I get a future episode where you guys just record yourselves watching this game and then interview at that boy six underscore 12, who was Brandon Kurtz afterwards. And that game that he's talking about is the elite eight game in 2008 versus North Carolina. And that's when Brandon Kurtz and Eric Coley and Dante Swanson and that those guys were rolling the table there. Um, 
Got the YouTube link in the tweet too. So if you want to go watch that, uh, that'd be fun. But hey, maybe in the future, that could actually be a pretty fun thing to do. 2000, right? Not 2008. Did I say eight? Yeah. Oh, no, it's definitely 2000. Yeah, sorry. I thought. I think it's just the Elite Eight in 2008. Yeah, I got mixed up in my head. Um, I mean, I have it written down right here, 2000, so I, I just read it off the page wrong. Uh, yeah, so that would be cool, but um, maybe, in, today. maybe in the future. Maybe oh, over the summer. Off season. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Scott and Hallman podcast, at SH Podcast. They're the guys who do the Houston fan podcast and blog over there. Um, they, <laughs> they asked us to do a live reading of both teams' drive charts from the <laughs> – from the UH Tulsa football game. And if you don't remember, that game was terrible. It was so bad. The final score was 24 to 14. Tulsa lost. Um, I think we had one offensive touchdown. I don't even know when that came. Uh, but we had a fumble or an interception return for a touchdown. <laughs> it was half of our points. And Tulsa or Houston beat us by 10. Um, I'm not going to read the entire chart because that's boring. But the game ended like this. Fumble, punt, da- turnover on downs, punt, fumble, end of game. <laughs> Well, and it started like punt, fumble, touchdown, punt, 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 <laughs> touchdown, punt, punt, interception, punt, interception, punt. There's your chart. We did it. <laughs> oh, such an ugly game. And we lost. No fun. Uh, but thank you for the suggestion, Scott and Holman, guys. And then finally, we had at Real TJ Jr. Um, he said, it may be sad, but maybe a what could have been for us in the NCAA tournament. It is sad to talk about it, but we can. Uh, so what could have been? Like, realistically, we talked about last week, you know, uh, and we also put a blog post out about it. I think we would have had to win the conference tournament to make the NCAA. And so I Mm -hmm. think had we won the conference tournament, we're looking at a somewhere between a 10 to 12 seed. Probably 12, my guess. Yeah. And then likely losing, uh, but you never know. But like even, you know, so what we talked about in the past, let's say, say we didn't win the conference tournament. Is there a chance we could have made the NCAA? Very, very small. Um, that's what we talked about last week. And, and in that blog post, uh, the only like possibly conceivable way, I think, that we could have made the tournament had we not won the conference tournament um, was to have basically a perfect alignment of circumstances that results in Tulsa beating both Memphis and Houston in the quarter and semifinals. And then basically need to play, you need Cincinnati to get to the championship game. Because if we lose to that champion and it's not Cincinnati, all of a sudden it's Wichita or it's UConn. They're stealing the auto bid, um, and all of a sudden we're out, right? So Cincinnati was likely going to get in regardless, uh, assuming they won at least one yeah, game. They were the best bubble team mm-hmm. in the conference. And so we needed we needed to be them in the championship game. So all of that would have needed to happen, and we would have needed to lose to them in a close game, right? So that likely probably wasn't going to happen. <laughs> Very... Uh, tough string there to, to pan out. Like all that needs to happen is one thing to go wrong. East Carolina beats Memphis and all of a sudden we're playing East Carolina in the semifinals game over. Like we can beat them by 50. It doesn't matter. Uh, I don't think we're getting in if that's the case. Um, so more than likely not going to happen there. Uh, what could have been, I think is probably what you were thinking. We get to the NIT, uh, as a three seed, probably maybe like a four seed. And ideally we win a few games. I have no idea who we'd be playing in the NIT. Uh, but I just don't think we'd have enough. I just don't think we have enough offensive firepower this year to make really a deep run. And you can make runs on defense, no doubt. Look at Virginia. Uh, but I don't know. Man, who knows? <laughs> I'm not going to try to predict how we would have done in the NIT. But I think um, I think had we made the NCAA as like a 12 seed, and so I mean, like let's just say maybe an 11 seed. What I don't even remember. Do you play a six seed as an 11? Is that right? 11 six? Yes. Yeah. 12 five. 
I think there's a chance we could have stolen one game. Would we have made it to the second weekend? No. Yeah. I don't think you have two of those. But this was a team where we were already outplaying our projections, obviously. And I think uh, we were probably outplaying a little bit of just our overall talent level, mm-hmm. uh, especially just because, well, we were also, we were somehow outplaying and underperforming. It's <laughs> so like we were underperforming, but like still getting positive results. I know. And so that doesn't necessarily breed success when you're looking at comp, like a tournament of champion uh, type environment. And yep. so I think we would have been able to steal a game possibly depending on the matchup. Um, and I'm not going to try and predict who that matchup would have been because that's yeah. very hard. But, you know, like maybe like uh, Illinois. I saw I watched Illinois lose to University of Missouri yep. in like December, True. and Mizzou was bad. Dude, this they year. were garbage. So, you know, we get a matchup with University of Illinois. Maybe we win a game. So that would be cool. But yeah, I didn't, I don't think anybody expected it. If we, if Frank Haith had won an NCAA tournament game this year, it would have been great. Mm. Uh, but, I, that would have been our ceiling, I think. Yep, I agree. But you can't lose a conference tournament game in disappointing fashion if you don't play a conference tournament. So Frank Haith has like, hey man, avoided that this year. So he played this season perfectly. Could not have been better for him. Didn't have to deal with the conference tournament. He and can say, hey, we might have made the NCAA tournament. Got so unlucky with that damn coronavirus. Uh, it's a good it's a good look. He 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 came out of the 2019-20 season on top, no doubt. One coach of the year also. Haven't mentioned that yet, but shout out to him. Do you have anything else to add? Oh, I was just going to say it's kind of, you know, it's disappointing that this is how our the season's ending for basketball, for us, uh, and just across college sports because just I was talking uh, – to maddie about this since she was on the rowing team but it's just like all the seniors in every sport like rowing golf like this is the end of the road for them mm-hmm. for the most part and so i mean you kind of hope that ncaa takes into consideration just how ex- odd these circumstances were and like gives the opportunity for students who maybe want to stick around for another year if they can do scholarship ex- scholarship type exemptions and the the thing that sucks with that is that's great for schools like Oklahoma or OSU that are big enough programs and probably have the resources to offer extra scholarships to students to stick around. But like TU is already in such a financial like issue, even with the additional money that we're supposed to get this summer for the TV deal. Yeah, it's like will that like what happens to the schools that can't afford to actually offer scholarships to their like seniors to stick around and so it's just it's just such a sucky situation especially for like people who had championship expectations or just overall so just know, a- like imagine Dayton right now like have the season of their lives and now they get no postseason out of all that and they're losing isn't Obi Toppin he's a senior I mean it doesn't even matter he's going anyway to the NBA so he's gone mm-hmm. um and then you see the guy, like you saw probably Lawson Carita and Martin Zigbanu's, you know, kind of farewell Apple <laughs> Apple Note screenshots that mm-hmm. are going around. You've seen them from players all around the country right now. They suck to read, man. They're all they're all really sad. Uh, you know, generally the notes are happy, but you know those guys are dying. Like, it's their final thing. Like, they were still looking forward to all these games and playing in the postseason. We were going to the postseason regardless of what happened in the conference tournament. I mean, it would have been the NIT most likely. 
but that's still postseason. You make it to the final four that you're playing in Madison Square Garden in front of like a bunch of people go to that tournament. Um, so it's just, it's a huge bummer. And there's nothing really that is going to make it any better. Everybody's still dealing with it. Uh, but I think there's no, I don't think there's any chance they get another year. I mean, they played not, in, not for bas- basketball yeah. won't because it, they played a whole year, it's right? But maybe considered baseball, a you're winter saying? sport. Yeah. It's yeah. just like the spring sports, right? It's so like your tennis, your golf. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Softball, baseball. Yeah. It's a tough deal, man. I don't know. I don't know how to handle all of that stuff. Um, I'm not paid to do that though. So that's a good thing. Uh, but yeah, it's just a killer really. You know, we were, we were going to be going down to Fort Worth um hopefully like recording an episode with other american conference podcaster people like if scott and holman guys were there if the fear the wave guys were there or the ecu people if they if they showed up um it would have been fun you know we could have done that we would have had tons of stuff to say about the nit uh, all that is for not now so it's a bummer but man it was a hell of a season it was fun to do uh much more fun than last year when we were not very good mm-hmm. um and hey next year should be awesome for football and basketball so Hopefully we go back to bowl game, make the NCAA tournament, and all of a sudden the Golden Hurricanes riding high once again. But then we come crashing down in 2021-2022 when we lose all of our players. I'll take that for the high of both (laughs) of those things happening. Absolutely. Me too. Um, Let's see. Final stuff. Uh, We don't – just some notes on the blog, the website. Um, If you didn't hear, we said it several times throughout the last couple episodes, but we have a website now. Uh, that you can check up on throughout the off season over the summer when we're not doing these weekly episodes until football season kind of gets rolling again. That website is thegoldenhurricast.com. Uh, that's where our, all of our blog posts are now. So I'm sure we'll be putting out some blog posts uh, throughout the year, uh, probably stuff about the NFL draft that's coming up soon, the spring game, the NBA draft, more stuff like that. I know that we'll probably have stuff to write or say. Maybe we'll do, you know, I'm sure we'll do a couple uh kind of off-season special episodes as well. Um, so keep an eye out on the goldenhurricast.com bookmark it if you want to. Uh, it's just a good place to go to see what we've been doing if you don't have Twitter especially. Um, and I think that's about it. Yeah, our most recent blog post, I guess, um, which is sad to read now, but the most recent one is about Tulsa's chances at earning an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I guess read it if you want to, you know, read something that doesn't matter <laughs> anymore, but it was fun to write at least. Uh, okay. Anything else, Matt? Or are we closing this thing down? I think that's it. I think we're about ready to turn off the lights. Turn off the lights. They're already off. Damn. Uh, okay. Let's close it off. If you like the show, um, please share it on Twitter or tell a friend about it. Uh, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We look at those. They're very nice. Uh, thank you for all of you to who have left reviews on there. If you want to support us financially, you can totally do that. There are a couple ways now, um, both of which you can find on our website at thegoldenhurricast.com slash support. And finally, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Golden Hurricast, or you can send us an email to thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you sometime before the fall. <laughs> Stay golden. Hurricast. <laughs> Yeah.